Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So today, the title of this message is Kingdom, Life, and Peace. Kingdom, Life, and Peace. And the subtitle that I'm using is that it's a fight for your life. It's going to be a fight for your life. In order for you to, to live and exist, you're going to have to fight. And sometimes your fight could be with other people. Sometimes your fight is going to be, for certain, for sure, your fight is going to be with the, the devil. But sometimes we are fighting with ourselves. And sometimes we fight so much, we take our own peace. I don't know if any of you have been there before, that if you've done some things where you take your own peace. And so I want to establish you today in the reality of kingdom life and kingdom peace. And I want to give you the tools as to how you can fight successfully for your own life. Because what we do realize is that our life is valuable and we only get one shot. And so our life is not uh, something, that we should, something that we should waste. It's something that we need to uh, ensure that is extremely precious to us. And so we want to learn how to fight for your life. And so I'm going to share with you uh, a scripture. If you can turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. title of this message is Kingdom Life and Kingdom Peace, How to Fight for Your Life, Romans chapter 8. It says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Jesus. I want you to hear this right now. The Spirit of God, and we're going to go wherever the Holy Ghost tells us, the Spirit of God is saying that there is no condemnation when you walk after the Spirit. But there is a condemnation that comes to you when you walk after the flesh. We're talking about kingdom life and kingdom peace. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin in death. I want to read this again. For the law of the Spirit, in other words, there are laws of the Spirit 
of life in Christ Jesus and the law of the Spirit will set you free. I want to tell you that what most people want out of life is they want to be free. Freedom comes on the heels of understanding the laws of the Spirit of God. For what, verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on the account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he shut it down. He said it's a close. When he died on the cross, he did not only die for you, but he died as you. I want you to get this. He did not only die for you, but he died as you, and he condemned the work of the flesh, and he opened up, God, I help me, he opened up the highway, the superhighway of living life in the Spirit. Go very slow with this. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What I want you to understand is that God is always trying to get you to walk according to the Spirit. He condemned the flesh. He closed it up. He shut it down. He died in his flesh, took all that on so that you no longer have to live out the works of the flesh. Verse 4, he says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What am I telling you? When you are in Christ, the Bible says, if you are in Christ, old things have passed away. You are a new being. You are a new creation, the Scripture says. All the old stuff, the old man, he died. And you are now the new man. Now watch this. It is the new man, the life of the Spirit, that engages the kingdom of God. I want you to understand this right here. It's the new man. It's the new man, not the old man, not, the, not that dead man, but it's the new man that engages, that interacts, that is able to, to download the things from the kingdom of God. And in effect, the, the new man is the real you. The new man is the real you. See, see, if I never teach you 
who you really are in Christ, you can't live in freedom. You'll always live beneath your privilege. You'll, you'll accept less than what God has designed for your life. And so he's saying that the new man is the man that I'm looking for. It's the, and that man follows the law of the Spirit. Now watch this. In verse 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. He's, what he's saying is the, 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 the life of the flesh will bring death to your life. And it doesn't mean that um, your life stopped. What it means is that your life can be sabotaged. That mean, what it means is that your life can be short-circuited. Your life can be cut short. So what he's saying is every time you make a decision to follow the carnal mind, the life of the flesh is killing you. And so we have to, as pastors and leaders, we have to teach so that what's killing our people can be arrested. Because he says right here, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Kingdom life, kingdom peace. Now what I want you to understand is that right here in this scripture, he exposes us to two minds. To be carnally minded, here, it'll kill you. It'll sabotage you. It'll take your peace. It'll, 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 it'll have you living in worry. It'll have you, it'll rip you apart. It'll have you living in uh, anxiety. It'll have you living in uh, sadness. Um, if you don't know what anxiety is, anxiety means to be pulled apart. The life of the flesh will have you living a life where you are constantly separated. You are constantly pulled apart. My mind, part of my mind is in church, but another part of my mind is at the club. One, of my, one part of my mind is on God, but another part of my mind is smoking a blunt. What I'm telling you right now is the life of the flesh, the carnal mind, two minds, it'll bring death to your life. But then he says this, but to be spiritual, but to be spiritual, but to be spiritual. You hear people talk all the time, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Well, he's talking about being spiritual right here. But to be spiritual, to be spiritual will give you life and peace. Now, let me give you some things so that you understand the flesh. I'm not going to show you the whole thing, but I'm going to give you a couple uh, definitions. Now, here's the thing with the flesh. You are a three-part being. You are made of spirit, soul, and body. The difference between a born-again person and an unsaved person is that the saved person has been spiritually recreated. 
while the unsaved person's spirit is still dead. That's what it means when he says in the scripture, you are spiritually dead. The body, the body is the flesh or it is the carnal part. I want you to understand the body is the flesh or it is the carnal part and it will not be made new until the resurrection. So being saved for years doesn't eliminate the need to constantly deal with the flesh or what we call our carnal nature. Now here's how the flesh operates. The flesh does not want to worship God. The flesh doesn't want to attend church. The flesh doesn't want to witness to people. Uh oh, watch this. The flesh doesn't want to pray. God. The flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. The flesh doesn't want to listen to the Bible. The flesh doesn't want to love. The flesh doesn't want to be gentle. The flesh doesn't want to be kind. The flesh doesn't want to be meek. The flesh doesn't want to be self-controlled. And so I want you to understand that these are all of the dynamics of the flesh. Now our spirit, the part of us that is born again, our spirit is in agreement with God. It desires good. It hungers and it thirsts for righteousness. But the flesh, which was originally created in the image of God, but from the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the flesh is programmed. It's programmed in the ways of Satan. And so what Satan does is he works through the fleshly realm, that's why it's a war. Satan works through the fleshly realm to get your mind to agree with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Satan throws stuff at you. He throws music at you. He throws uh, things on, in the media at you to get your mind. He'll even use other people to manipulate your mind so that you can fulfill the works of the flesh. And in the end, the works of the flesh will wind up killing you. But when we are spiritually minded, we can reject the urges and the desires of the flesh and follow our spirit. So to be carnally minded means to be fleshly minded which means that we are ruled, and I want you to understand that word, which means that we are ruled by our senses. Now, God intends for you to be ruled by the Spirit of God, and so that is why it is, it's a warfare, and that's why our flesh has to be crucified. That's why our flesh has to be put under subjection. And that's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he said, the good that I would do, I still don't do it. And then he says this, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I'm wretched. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Now here's the promise. If you lock into your spiritual mind, you can overcome the works 
of the flesh. Now here's what I want to give you. It's called, how do you live, how do you live in peace? In Romans 14, verse 7, he says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So he's, he's, already, he's already telling us, he's, he's, he's setting us up that the, the, he's already communicating to us what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is righteousness, which means right standing with God, peace, and I'm going to go into what peace is, and it's joy produced by the Holy Ghost. So all three aspects of the kingdom of God are produced are brought into being by the Holy Ghost. In other words, you need the Holy Spirit to maintain right standing with God. Try to do it by yourself, you're going to fail. You need the Holy Ghost to live in peace because there are things that will come against you that will happen in your life that will try to take your peace, but you need the Holy Spirit to help you live in peace. And you need the Holy Ghost to help you experience the joy of God. And when you can experience the joy of God, you can certainly experience the strength of God. And so when we talk, when in Romans 8, verse 6, he says, I want to make sure that you have life, and peace. And so what does the scripture mean when he says, I want to make sure you have life and peace? Here's what life is. Life is, the Greek word for life, is the God kind of life. In other words, God wants us to experience the life as he lives it, which is a life superior in quality. So when he says that I have given you life and given you life more abundantly, what he's communicating is that I have given you Zoe. In other words, I'm giving you the God type life. In fact, it's a life that the world hasn't even seen. It is a life that, that derives God from God himself. Zoe refers to the eternal life of God, the divine life that is uniquely possessed by God. And so when we are born again, we receive the life of God. To, to, the, the word birth means to receive life. So when we are born again, he imparts to our spirit Zoe, a life that the world has never seen before. That is why you could be frustrated with your environment because what's trying to emanate from your life is a life that has never been seen before. This is why you can be uh, dissatisfied with low expectations or this is why you probably feel like you should 
be accomplishing more or you should be doing more. That is the life of God, the Zoe of God calling on your spirit and it's trying to emanate in this earthly environment so that when people see the manifestation of who you are and what God is trying to do with your life, they'll say, glory to God. Who did that? The life of God supersedes your neighborhood. The life of God supersedes your parents. The, the life of God supersedes your school. It's the Zoe of God that you are trying to manifest in your life. It's the Zoe of God that will give you satisfaction. It's the Zoe of God that will, that will give you uh, peace. It's the life of God that's trying to emanate. That's why in the beginning, in John, verse, John 1 verse 4, he said, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. What am I saying? When you start to live out the life of God, you can't live in darkness. When you start to live out the life of God, whatever arena, whatever arena, whatever neighborhood, whatever relationship you are in, the life of God starts to impact your spouse. The life of God will start to impact your children. The, the Zoe of God will start to bring light on areas that you need to correct. It's the Zoe of God that will start to bring life to the, it will start to bring light to everybody in your circle. Somebody asked me the other day, she called me, she said, it seems like you have something, and she'd been saved for 40 years. She said, it seems like you have something different in your marriage. I took a pause and I laughed and I said, yeah, it's agape love. She laughed. I said, that's the secret. I said, it's agape love. Agape love comes from the life of God because the Bible says that God is love. So love is a part of the life of God. I hope that you're getting this. Love is a, is a critical dimension of the life of God. And so John 10 verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have, watch this, that you might have life. Zoe. And, they, and, then, he even, and then he even took it to another level, Janine. He said, I have come that you might have life more abundantly. So he's saying that I want you to have a flow of my life, not just for you, but I want you to have enough of me for somebody else. And that's why he says in John 14, verse 1, he says, I am the way. I am the truth, watch me joy, and I am the life. I'm the way to life. I'm the truth about life. I have, listen, 
he, he's saying that I am the, the author of life. So when you come to me, when you follow the life of the, when you follow the spiritual mind, you get life. You, you, light opens up to you. Uh, people start responding to you uh, in, in different ways. And so he says in John uh, 1, 12 through 13, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the privilege to become the children of God. And then finally about life, he says in 1 John 5, 11, he said this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. In this life, this Zoe is found in his son. So what am I saying? So when you get Christ, you tap into the unlimited reservoirs of life. In the flesh, which is facilitated by a carnal mind, will short-circuit everything that God intends to do with your life. And that is why he gives us this warning. Let me read something in Romans verse 8 so that you get the revelation of how important this is. Romans 8 verse 7. He says the carnal mind is an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God. In other words, when you decide to live out the carnal mind, it opens the door for everything. That means it's no boundaries. It's no, um, it's no fence. It's no limit to where you can take this level of carnality, but we know in the end, it will ultimately kill you. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh, those who desire to live out the realities of the flesh, they can not please God. So let me give you, let me just give you a quick, I'm just going to refer to something quickly in Galatians that gives you 
a list. Watch this. That gives you a list of what the flesh looks like. My daughter prepared this and she said, Dad, these are some bad things. She said, Dad, I, I, I didn't know about this stuff. She said, this thing is terrible. Verse, verse, um, verse 17 in Galatians 5. It says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you intend to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, those who, watch this, those who practice such things will not experience. The King James used the word, uses the word inherit. He says, those who practice such things will not experience the kingdom of God. You might experience religion. You might even experience church. <laughs> he, he, he gave you the list. He says, he, he says, you might experience religion. You might experience church. You might even be in fellowship with people. But guess what you miss? And that's why I'm here. You miss the kingdom. You miss, Janine, your birthright. I am going to teach this because I do not want you to miss your birthright. You might even go to a good school. You might even get a PhD. You might even have a master's degree. But you cannot miss the kingdom. And we got to teach and teach and teach to make sure we don't miss the kingdom. The kingdom is for here and the now. He's saying that those, and he's not talking about going to heaven. He's saying that if you practice these things, you will not experience, watch the, what, what, this is what the kingdom is. You will not experience the rule of God in your life. You will not experience his majesty. You will not experience the glory of where he wants to take you. You will not experience uh, the, the, the magnitude of the, the, the transformation that he wants to bring through your life. All of the research says that we are connected to a minimum of 10,000 people. Before we die, we should influence a minimum of 10,000 people who are connected to our circle. And what he's saying is that when you decide to live a life 
of the flesh, not only will it kill you, but it will cut you out of experiencing right here the kingdom of God. You'll get emails. See, when you experience the kingdom of God, you'll get emails like this. You're the greatest person I've ever met. You'll get, you'll get, you'll get text messages saying, I've never had an experience like that until I came into your seminar. They're not talking about me, but they're talking about an, an encounter with the Zoe life of God. And God is saying, Janine, can I use you? Grace, can I use you at 16? Nate, can I use you? Josh, can I use you to manifest the Zoe life of God? And if you do what I tell you to do, I'll give you an opportunity. I'll give you a scholarship. I'll give you a marriage. I'll give you peace. But make sure you bring your life into alignment with my heart. You want to know how important the kingdom of God is? Stephen Covey wrote a book called First Things First. But let me tell you, based on the Bible, what first things first is. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in everything else you could desire will be attracted. That means, Takiyah, he makes you a magnet. He makes you a magnet for opportunities. He makes you a magnet for people to want to invest in your life. He makes you a magnet for people to draw you to a higher level. God knows when you need to be drawn to a higher level. God knows that if you stay on the shallow grounds, you'll be choked off by the life of the flesh. So he's saying, daughter, I know what you need. I know what you desire, and I am going to move you forward because my heart is always to get a return on the investment that I made in your life. That's the kingdom of God. That's how you reign. That's how you live. Now watch this. He says in Galatians, he says in Galatians, I need a whole bottle of water. He says in Galatians, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now watch this. Against these... There is no limit to your life. What am I saying? If you practice these, there is no limit. God, I, I don't. If you practice, that's why, as a, that's why as a church, or when we talk about spiritual growth, we need to look at how well are we doing with these nine right here? How well are we doing with the love life, the love game? How well are we doing with the joy game? How, no pun intended, joy. How well are we doing with the peace game? How well are we doing with the meekness game? How well are we doing with the temperance game? If, if we are going to look 
at how well people are doing, the saints are doing, we have to look at these nine. He says, if you practice these, there's no limit to your life. Because this, this is a part of the kingdom. I'm going to say this to you. Peace is the kingdom of God. Joy is the kingdom of God. Righteousness is the kingdom of God. And they're all produced by the Holy Ghost. Why are we, why are we, we, we making sure that we drill down on the, on the work of the flesh? Why are we making sure that we drill down on this? I'm going to go to verse, go to Romans again. Verse 9, Romans, Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he's not his. Verse 10. And if Christ, you need to say to yourself, and if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. So what he's saying is all of those works of the flesh that we listed, murder, sorcery, envy, uh, jealousy, hatred, he's saying all of that has died. All of that is the old man. And what you have to do, you have to keep enforcing or appropriating that that life is dead. How do you do that? You got to reach for the new. You don't have to keep looking back at the past if you reach for the new. You got to reach for your new life in Christ. Now watch this. That's why he says, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, and some translations say the same spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That means that you are resurrected from living that life. What do I want for my children? What does Janine want for her children? We want our children to live in resurrected Zoe life. What does that mean? We want our children to live in peace. We want our children to live in joy. We want our children to live in love. It is your birthright. That's what it means to be in Christ. The same spirit that rose from the dead is the same spirit that empowers you to step out of mess. It's the same spirit that gives you the unction, that gives you the anointing to say, I don't have to accept this. I don't have to live like this. I will not settle for more than I'm worth. How much are you worth? You were worth the death on the cross. That's how much you're worth. So even if you're balled up, even if you're crumbled, what God is always saying is you're worth it. Because the flesh will tell you this, I don't think I'm worth it. I don't think I'm worthy. That's why I'm not going to apply for a new job. I don't, I'm not going to travel because I don't think the world is, I don't think the, the world is open to me. Hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. You are an heir of the world. I'm in the, I'm in the book. You are, you are an, you are an, you inherited 
the world. I'm in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. You are an heir. He said, he said just as I did it for Abraham, I'm going to do it for you. you you're, 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 you're larger than you think. And you have to, the gateway, the gateway to your transformation is the renewing of the mind. The gateway, the Bible says, be not, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing of your mind, that you might fulfill the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So how do I step, how do I get on the superhighway to the will of God for my life? I got to renew my mind. I got to renew my mind concerning my marriage. I got to renew my mind concerning being a parent. I got to renew my mind of being a teenager. It is not a curse to be a teenager. It is a beautiful thing because the, the best thing that you have going for you being a teenager is time. So it is not a curse. It is a blessing. That's why the Bible says, all of my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. So watch this. In Romans 8, he says, therefore, verse 12, you are... You are not a debtor to the flesh. That means he's saying you're no longer obligated to the flesh. You no longer have a loan payment. You no longer have a mortgage payment to the flesh. Before Christ died, you had to make a mortgage payment to the flesh. And some people, the mortgage has been canceled. The loans have been forgiven. And you still making payments. <laughs> He's saying, he's saying, listen, he's saying, I'm going to do more than President Biden plans to do. I forgave your debt to the flesh. It's right here. Therefore, brother, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. This is loan forgiveness right here. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Watch this. For as many as are led by the spirit... These are the sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When God cancels your debt, when he forgives your debt, guess what he's doing? He's, watch me when I do this. He, remember he said the spiritual mind is life and peace, but the fleshly, the carnal mind is an enemy of God, is at odds with him. It's not at peace with God. So what he does, the Old Testament word for peace, now I'm going to talk about peace. The Old Testament word for peace is shalom, and it means prosper. It means be well. It means prosperity, but it also means wholeness. In the New Testament, it doesn't mean just to be in a state of tranquility. It doesn't mean just that, but it means to be unified. It means to be complete. It means to be whole. So when he says, I'm going to give you life and peace, 
is how some of you that can lose loved ones, some of you lost your mother, some of you lost your father, some of you lost dear friends, but how do you get peace? When God gives you peace, he gives you the ability to bring it together. God, uh, in other words, what would have pulled you apart? What the sadness, the grief, the pain, the, the, the anxiety, the, 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 sometimes the, um, the resentment that can develop when he gives you peace. He gives you shalom. He gives you, because he says, he is peace, God. He is peace. He, he, he connects what would separate you. That's why, that, that's why in, in the New Testament, it, it talks about this in terms of the connotation of two people fighting. And it, and, it, and it talks about how two people who were at odds with a, a, one another, but when they are given peace, he reconciles the difference. And so that's what he does when he gives you shalom. He gives you emotional well-being. He gives you spiritual well-being. He gives you uh, physical well-being. He gives you financial well-being. In other words, he brings, he unifies you. That's why the scripture says, I'm going to give you life and peace, because I'm going to bring together everything that would separate you from me. I'm going to give you peace. Now, You might ask time and time again, I'm going to give you one way in terms of how you live out the peace of God. We talked about life, but then he's going to give you peace. Because remember, he says the spiritual mind is life and peace. Peace is to bring you into unity. Peace is to bring you into completeness. The major doorway to peace is prayer. Prayer is a doorway to peace. All of the works of the flesh work to shut down your prayer life, which in turn takes your peace. That's why Jesus said in Philippians 4, 6, verses 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God and the shalom of God and the oneness of God, the God that is able to bring everything that would pull you apart, he's able to bring it together. He said, and let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus because the first thing that the flesh attacks is your prayer life. But when you pray again, he says, I release the peace of God. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.